everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I've been putting together over the last while where I like to talk about all things investing, where I get to share with you some of my thoughts and takes and perspectives about what's going on in the market, as well as other people's perspectives about what's going on in the world of stocks and investing. The whole point is hopefully you can come away with from these podcasts with a couple of nuggets of information that you can take back to your own personal uh, investing circumstance and hopefully will help you make better and ultimately more successful investment decisions. My name is Amon Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors and what I do as an investment coach is I try to help people ultimately who want to become more financially independent. The problem is, and especially when people want to start getting into investing or they've been investing for a long time, is they often feel frustrated, intimidated, or confused by the whole process of investing. And uh, they either don't know where to start if they're new, or they've been investing for a long time but just aren't making any traction or progress with their portfolios. So what I do as an investment coach is, is I teach people, I engage with them on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful uh, investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and achieve it with confidence. So today uh, is is part two. Um, in my previous episode, uh, I shared with you some of my thoughts and takes on a, on a recent report that was put out there by the Ontario Securities Commission here. Um, and it outlined some of the challenges that the whole banks and investment companies are are struggling with, the challenges that they're having, um, trying to get millennials to invest more. And the report was good in the sense that it did, it was it tried to crystallize or identify what those um, investing point uh, pain points are, what are the struggles that people have with investing. But um, like so many financial literacy kind of initiatives or strategic kind of initiatives that are out there, what we end up getting is messaging or direction that's just not clear, it's not consistent, and it's frankly a lot of times it's understandable. Um, the report did a pretty good job with, you know, well actually, it did a good job identifying the pain points, but it didn't, you know, and it, and it identified some solutions. But uh, from my perspective, I think, and this is just the issue that I have with a lot of these financial literacy programs, is that they're very kind of isolated, they're not integrated solutions, and they layer on so much like industry kind of jargon or consulting speak that, you know, the chances of people connecting with these kind of things are just, people don't. And that's why people aren't connecting with these things, especially millennials. Or and It doesn't even matter if it's millennials, it's any age group. Um, so... In the previous episode, I kind of walked through their report and their findings and their recommendations and kind of went over that stuff. And today, what I really want to do is kind of build on that. Like, if, you know, it's one thing, you know, it's, it's easy to sit here and criticize anybody's, you know, ideas and concepts and everything. I think it's another thing to try to offer some solutions and try to, you know, contribute to the discussion kind of thing. So um, today, I want to kind of share with you my kind of takes on, especially as, you know, as someone here who works as an investment coach, who spends their, you know, whose gig, who's, their, who, who's my main gig is teaching people and educating people and building their investment competencies. Um, I want to share with, uh, today I just want to share with you my kind of ideas and approaches that I think could get help people 
uh, get more engaged in, in investing. And I know, and I think I feel pretty good about them because I use them. I they're 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 inherently part of my um, my practice, and it, it applies to not just millennials, but it applies to anybody who's who wants to get more engaged with investing. And guess what? It, it doesn't. It's not a specific. These struggles that people have with investing is not in a specific demographic group. It's all across the board. I know because I've worked with people all across the board. Um, so you know, the report did a. I thought it did a good job in just highlighting the pain points that people have. You know, when I talk to people about investing, you know, the, the people feel they're scared of it. They feel overwhelmed by investing. They, uh, a lot of times, they feel paralyzed when they're trying to make a decision. And a lot of times, especially people who are new to investing, they don't know how to start and don't know how to take that first step. And so I want to share with you some of my kind of approaches that I've used in my practice um, that I think gets people more engaged in investing and gets people on a path uh, to getting closer or improving their odds of becoming more financially independent. So, okay, one of the things, uh, so I'm, that's, that's what I want to talk about today. So the OSC report, um, identify taking the first step as, as a major pain point for people. And it is because after people have that kind of epiphany um, that they should be investing, um, whether that life moment kind of hits them that they have to be growing their savings or saving money and then growing it meaningfully, um, the default, what people mostly do is they go quickly to the brokerage account, they open a brokerage account, they go buy some books, they research some stocks, uh, or just simply do what their friends are doing. I'll give you a great example. I, a few nights ago, I was at a family friend, a family gathering, and one of my family friends um, told me, talked to me, and said, "Hey, you know what? I just—he's a retired gentleman, and he told me, uh, Amin, I just, uh, I just opened up a brokerage account, and uh, I just started investing, and I just bought some uh, cannabis stocks, and I bought some shares in Facebook, and I was just sort of like, whoa, wait, you, you took your." like your retirement money and are putting it into this stuff he goes no 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 this is my like my pension he has a pension like well, very fortunately he has a pension but he has all this other savings and he wants to put it to work and he said you know what i just i just opened so he i want to share here is that he didn't really take the time to figure out what to buy and how to invest or anything he just went straight to open a brokerage account and just threw some money in some stocks and that's something i see happen so many times um but, you know, I said, you know, it's, investing is all about, you know, and that's kind of the, what I really want to get to here is it's the default position we have with, with investing. When we decide we want to invest, the default position is we got to go out and buy stocks. But does that really apply to everybody? One of the things I'm always upfront with, with people with, with investing or looking to get investing and it's not because I'm trying to scare them or anything. I'm just being straight up about what this is, what it involves. And investing, you know what? It can be a really boring, it can be a really repetitive and a really time-consuming process. You have to commit time to it. Um, you need to commit the time to understanding how, you know, analyzing stocks, managing the portfolio, um, just taking care of the whole thing. And honestly, for a lot of people, a lot of people out there just really couldn't be bothered to figure out all the mechanical sides and the behavioral aspects of investing because we all have different priorities in our life. And you know what? That's cool. Um, what, we're, what I'm going here is with we're, each of us, we're all kind of 
on our own path with respect to investing and financial freedom and security and all that stuff. And the cool thing is there's not one single generic path that we all have to be following. There are all kinds of investing paths. And ultimately, we want to be in an investing path that's compatible with our life situation. Like, if I don't have time to invest, then I shouldn't be buying individual stocks. And maybe, you know what, I shouldn't even be doing some, doing anything hands-on with it. I should probably have maybe a financial advisor or maybe like using a robo-advisor or something. Maybe a better, more thing that's compatible with my lifestyle. Maybe I just shouldn't be buying individual stocks, but maybe I should be buying exchange-traded funds, ETFs. Um, maybe that's a better investing path for me than if I just don't have the time. Like, you can, like for me, when I was in my 20s when I started investing, I had so much time. I would spend hours upon hours crunching numbers and analyzing companies. Um, now I got two young kids, I'm married, I have all kinds of responsibilities and stuff beyond my job here, and uh, I just don't have the time to crunch the numbers like I did before, analyze companies before. So my path is a little bit, um, your priorities dictate a lot about how you're going to go about investing. Um, and so where I'm going with it is uh, I think we're on the outset, if you're looking at investing, I think the most important we need, thing we need to do is to make sure people are on the right investing path before they even open up a brokerage account. Um, and it involves answering questions like, why am I investing? Like, what's my goal here? What am I hoping to get out of this? Um, am I going to do it myself or is somebody going to help me do it or is somebody going to do it for me? Am I going to invest in stocks or am I going to invest in you know, more passively, low-cost, um, hands-off kind of investments like ETFs? The key thing here is, and this is often what I do with people, is once you're able to define your path, then you're going to shrink that universe of investments that you're going to use and you're going to work with and then that you're going to work with and you're going to develop with in terms of building your investing competencies. You know, why bother investing in individual stocks when you really should be investing in ETFs? And the thing about it is, and this is what the industry just, I think, totally doesn't get is, and they're just not... It's not that they totally will get. I just I don't think they're interested in taking the time to working with people to define what their investing paths should be, um, because they've designed themselves, they've structured themselves around the default that people investing means buy stocks. And if you go see, go to a bank, and you go talk to an advisor in a bank, or you go talk to a financial advisor or a financial planner, the default they're going to talk to you about is investing. They're going to talk I mean, with investing is buy stocks. When, you know what, maybe that's not what you should be doing with. They come up with a very cookie-cutter kind of approach to figuring out how you should be going about investing. And it's a critical moment for people because if you don't define what your investing path is, you're going to end up in places you don't want to be. Um, you're going to make decisions that are not going to be compatible with what you want to go and what your goals are with your risk tolerances, and it's just going to be you think you're going to be on an investing path and a journey, you're probably going to be in a ditch somewhere. Um, and it's really hard to get back at it. Um, so the first thing I think we need to see out there is we need to see a more concerted effort at helping people, first of all, define their path, define what they want to get out of investing. And, and uh, you got to do this stuff before you open up a brokerage account or you sign up for like an investing course. Uh, so that's one element of doing it. So, um, so building and defining investing paths, I think, is, is something that's critical and we need to spend more time. The industry kind of need, I think, would need to focus more time on it. At the end of the day, also, it's about building. Once you've defined that, then it's all about building competencies. It's about building your skill set to how to make 
better investment decisions. And, um, <clears throat> and that's what I do essentially as an investment coach is I help people build their investing competencies. And so what are these investing competencies that people need to develop? And from my experience, the people who I think really know this well, who really do this investing thing really well, um, they have three competencies. They have three well-developed competencies. And the cool thing is I think anybody can develop them over time. And it's, it's not something you're gonna get in three weeks. It's not something you're gonna develop in an online course. It takes time and it takes commitment, which I'll talk about in a second. So the first area, first competency I think we need to focus on is this whole education piece. And yeah, you can go on the internet and you can go look at all kinds of blogs and read the newspapers and watch CNBC and just kind of through osmosis and information transfer be quote unquote educated. Um, and the thing, about it, the thing about it is a lot of it is very um, mechanical and it's involving a lot of formulas, a lot of spreadsheets. And that's what freaks people out about investing and scares people about it is <coughs> Excuse me. And that's what intimidates people and makes people feel uh, overwhelmed with this whole investing thing. Um, and yeah, when you make it from a very mechanical perspective, uh, formulaic kind of perspective, it becomes very kind of high school y and becomes very, you know, memorization kind of thing becomes a big deal. Um, but I have found when I teach this stuff, I don't try to teach things from a very mechanical perspective. I try to teach things from more of a principles perspective. And I think when you take a more principles-based approach to investing, um, I think people retain more information. I think they understand the concepts better. Um, it's more sticky. Um, I think it's a better way to go. And I think the problem is a lot of the training programs and educational programs we have there are very mechanical. We need to go back to principles and teaching people principles about investing. Like when I'm talking about principles, I'm talking about, you know what, we live in a capitalist society. What does that mean? How do companies and people create wealth in a supposedly free market capital, capitalist-based economy? Um, I think even if I could pick the, like 100 people, I bet you like 95 people wouldn't understand what capitalism really means. And uh, you know, like how does Amazon, Amazon's a trillion dollar company. It just didn't accidentally become a trillion dollar company. It's gone through a cycle of evolution. All businesses go through an evolution. Um, so if you can understand these this principles about how companies create wealth, how companies become wealthy, what drives stock prices, I think you get a better understanding of the process and I think you have a much better foundation for learning than the mechanical formulaic kind of components. Principles to me, I think they're sticky. They stay with you. They're, I think they're easier to understand. Um, you know, mechanical things and formulas, we can learn them, but you can tweak them and they can be improved over time and you get adjusted, but the principles always stay with you. And I think, if we're going to educate people about investing, we need to start with, with principles. We need to start focusing on principles. And again, the industry takes the other uh, approach, um, formal educational uh, institutions, universities, colleges, all that stuff, very formulaic in terms of how they teach this stuff. Um, but that's one element, too, and I'm talking about the mechanical side, but I think there's also another component that needs to be taught more and we need to bring out more and stuff that I use in my for So, it, it, And that's more the the behavioral aspects of investing. 
Sure, you can know all the principles and all the formulas and all the charts and read charts and everything, but at the end of the day, you know what the big thing that screws people up for making good investment decisions? It's often our judgment, and often there's lots of emotions that can cloud our judgment and impact our ability to make investment decisions. Uh, in a way, it, investing to me, in a way, becomes a, a lot more of an art than a science. And the reality is every single one of us, even Buffett, even some of the greatest investors of all time, we're always in a conflict with our behavioral biases, which can negatively impact our way how we make investment decisions. We're not going to eliminate these biases, but we need to manage them better. And so what happens? And so I think we need to teach more of this kind of stuff. I, need, I think we need to educate more people about these biases and behavioral biases that really screw with our minds and screw with our investment decisions. The industry, again, is more focused on the bar jargony oriented, mechanical kind of stuff, the transactional side of investing instead of the behavioral principle side. And I think we need to see more curriculum and more courses try to be focused on that side. As I said, I teach this stuff in the courses that I teach. I try to lean towards more of the behavioral um, uh, principles approach as well first and then as well layering on top of that the mechanicals and the execution part of it. And I think it's a big reason because we're so focused on the mechanics of it, people get intimidated. And I think going the other way would make a definite, uh, I think could, I, I've seen it because I teach people that way and I see people much more connected with the, with the concepts um, much better and it stays with them. And so um, education is a key competency that we got to develop and it's again with a different kind of focus. The second um, um, competency I think is important revolves around engagement. One of the reasons why we are freaked out by investing, when you talk to people why they're scared, why they, what they find frustrating about investing is they're scared of it. Because, and the reason why I think they're scared of it is because they just don't do it. I don't think we do it enough. I don't think we practice it enough. Um, you know, for a lot of people, the most people are actively engaged in how their money is doing and how their money is growing and working is when they get those quarterly uh, statements from the bank or those annual statements from their bank. And because they're very jargony, very opaque, they have a really hard time figuring out making heads or tails or whether their, their portfolio is, if they're going in the right direction um, because there's so much jargon. and. I think part of it is I don't think we're engaged enough. People just aren't engaged enough in the process. I don't think we commit enough time to to learn and practice investing. And <clears throat> I go back to one of uh, in a book that Richard Thaler, one of the Nobel Prize uh, behavioral econ economists out there, talked about was his skill sets and building skill sets. And he said something in one of his books, which to me has stuck with me, and that is. Um, if you're going to become proficient in a skill, you need to do two things. You need to practice regularly, and you need to get immediate feedback from when you are practicing. And that's stuck with me so well because a lack of practice or a lack of engagement in anything ultimately leads to a lack of commitment, which really provides you with very little meaningful opportunities to get any feedback. And so if you're not practicing and you're not getting feedback, how are you going to get better at anything? How are you going to get better at investing? How are you going to take more, how are you going to become more successful as an investor? Um, so 
you know, technology, you know, and, and again, in, in the OSC report, they talk about getting people to engage more by using technology. Um, you know, technology is, is, can be helpful in enabling people to, to, to engage more in investing um, because I think it can provide people with more timely and meaningful feedback. Um, but the question is, I think technology is being used more from the transactional perspective, and I think it's getting people to more not engage with investing, but just more, um, it's more about volume and just getting people to trade, <laughs> getting to trade and getting people to think about investment decisions from a short-term perspective. It comes more about accessibility than it is about engagement in a sense. Um, when you look at a lot of the financial literacy kind of programs that are out there, all of them are just basically information transfers. You know, like you go to a, read a blog, you read a pod, like listen to a podcast like this, you get information, you get a transfer of information, you take it, you absorb it, and you take it home, if you're going to a class and you go home, um, and it sits there. Oftentimes it just sits there and gathers dust and doesn't really have any value or anything over time. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people, when they talk to me, it's like, why do I need to talk to you or take your courses where I can just go on the Internet? Well, yeah, sure, you can go on the Internet. I actually have a free guide that tells you where you can go on the Internet to get financial information. To me, the Internet is just that mother of all information transfer vehicles it's there's really no application and there's no really opportunity to practice um, investing through the internet and most of it's very theoretical and it doesn't apply to people's personal circumstances and so you know what I find about it and that's what reports like this is kind of what got me off to want to talk about this like OSC report is that there's so much time and effort that the industry is doing to talk around investing and they don't seem to be interested in really doing investing. And, you know, the, in the report, the industry talked about, well, they recommended that we should create simulated tra uh, trading environments because then we don't want to, like, you know, um, warp people's minds or, in, or scare people about the concept of losing money. Um, and to me, I don't think those work because those don't encourage practicing those i think it's a false environment because it doesn't reflect the reality of it. it's a sanitized uh environment that doesn't reflect the realities of what, you, what it is to buy and sell investments or make investment decisions um, <clears throat> so people that are really good at investing they're engaged in the process whether they're you know actively buying and selling stocks or they're passively somebody's even if somebody is managing their money they're still on top of knowing what's going on and are able to ask questions or are educated enough to really understand what's going on so engagement is a critical competency that we need to develop um, in people and uh, and I think that's one of the great things of having a coaching relationship in terms of what I do is I, ultimately I'm there to push people to get engaged in investing. And I think the industry, again, isn't there. They don't, they don't really have a vested interest for people to get engaged in investing because they would rather them be disengaged but still give them their money. So improving, so you know, if we can improve our, more our knowledge about investing, we can educate ourselves, we can engage with uh, people uh, that's fine. That's those are two uh, elements that are pretty good. But one thing that's also important when people are, are out there investing is they need a roadmap or a plan or what I like to call a playbook for 
when they go down that investing path. Um, the cool thing about having a playbook is, is it keeps us focused on long-term, our long-term goals, and it keeps us disciplined and lowers our chance, uh, keeps us disciplined when we're making investment decisions. And one of the things the industry is really good at is, is creating all kinds of plans, investment plans, and through all kinds of fancy tables and charts and everything. But again, it's so jargony and full of like, it doesn't speak to people's pain points. It doesn't speak to their personal circumstances. It's full of industry jargon and words that people have no idea what's going on. Uh, if we're gonna get people to engage in investing, we need to develop tools, we need to communicate with people that are jargon free. We need to be have messages that are focused on results and also showing them tangibly how they are progressing on their investing path. And clear messaging, clear, jar, uh, clear words, easy to understand words are critical to getting people to uh, more engaged. And again, the report and the industry, they just don't seem to be interested in it. But I find when you communicate to people using words that they understand, taking concepts, applying them in simple language, simple English or whatever, French or whatever, people connect to it better. And then if they connect to it better, they're gonna engage in it. And if they engage in it, they're gonna practice more and they're gonna elevate their knowledge a little bit more. So we need to start literally talking better. We need to write better when we communicate to people about investing. Now, when we increase our education and literacy competencies, and if we're practicing more and engaging uh, in the process of investing, we'll get to the third competency, which I think people, um, the people that are really good at investing have developed, and that's empowerment. So the more we're engaging and practicing and making investment decisions, the more experience we're going to get and that's ultimately going to be more leading to confidence, and it's going to lead to independence. And when I talk about confidence, I don't talk about um, chest thumping and trash talking and yeah, look at me, look at me kind of thing. If we're following all these steps that I'm talking about, um, you're going to have a comfort level with this whole thing. And when you get into certain situations, because you have a playbook that keeps you consistent with your investment goals, and a, and a mechanism for how you execute your, your, your investment decisions, you're gonna be confident. You're not gonna be intimidated anymore. When I talk about pain points, intimidation kind of goes away. You're not gonna hesitate. Uh, a lot of times in the report, they talk about people scared to make a decision, analysis paralysis. Um, if we're doing all these elements that I've been talking about, we become more independent. And ultimately, isn't that the goal of investing is not the goal why we're doing all this making all this effort of saving money trying to grow it is to become more financially independent and if we're achieving financial independence is that improving our opportunities to enjoy life more have more satisfaction in our life focus on things that are important to us empowerment i think that's ultimately so many of these financial literacy courses and programs that I see out there, they don't really talk about what, what the goal is. And ultimately, it's about empowerment and feeling like they have, people have control of the situation. So if we, if we, first of all, identify a path, and you'll notice all these things I'm talking about, these are not like separate little things. These all kind of build on top of each other. Define your investing path, developing a playbook or a strategy, building investment competencies, learning about investing, engaging in the process, becoming more confident with the whole outcome out of it, 
These are all building blocks. These are the types of ideas, I think this is a type of approach, I think, that can get people more engaged in investing. I think this can get more people successful at investing. Um, and if we do it in a way that's not intimidating, that's free of jargon, simple, um, simple messages, emphasize principles instead of formulas, and address those pain points people have about investing, I think we got a better shot. I think you have a better shot at figuring this stuff out. I think I have a better shot of getting to that financial goal that you've got. Um, and so what's interesting, though, too, is this report, this OSC report, was saying, well, this is millennials, apparently. We need to engage more in millennials. I think we need to engage in everybody. I think people in their 60s who are having, a, you know, just as much need, have the same goals and passions and, and dreams that somebody in their 20s coming out of school or somebody coming out of high school have. I think we're all in the same boat. We're all in a different time positions. Our priorities are different. So we need to define our paths. Instead of coming with generic paths, with, uh, which what the industry wants to slot us into, um, we, need, it's, we need to go down to grassroots and work individual to individual into individual, family to family to family to family, and start building from there defining your path from there and then layering on all these other critical competencies and developing those competencies. I think we can get people to be more financially literate, but I don't think we can do it en masse, and I don't think we can do it necessarily in a classroom. We need a few other things to happen, but it involves it starts out with conversations and then it involves into engagement. So, you know, defining an investing path, developing investing competencies, incorporating a framework or a playbook, achieving fin uh, financial independence. All these elements build upon each other. They're tangible, they're relatable. And the people that I've seen who really are become successful investors have somehow, in some way, followed this progression and are continuously trying to improve upon it. Um, so I think the more we can develop these kinds of, this type of approach, I think, um, I think we can make investing really cool. And I think investing becomes a lot more palatable instead of a chore. So that's kind of my takes on it. You know, as I said, um, there's so many ways I think you can get there. I'm just sharing with you my experience and my perspective. Um, whatever way, and you know, whatever way we choose and whatever way people want to get into investing, if we want more people to get into investing, the resources, the tools, and the, the programs that we develop, they have to be in a format that's jargon-free, emphasizes principles instead of formulas, and addresses pain points. And I'm just sharing with you one way to do it. Um, so that's all I got. I'd love to know what you think about it. I'd love to know if you think I'm way off base on any of this stuff. So you can reach out to me. My, uh, you can hit me on my website, sageinvestors.ca. Um, drop me an email through there. Uh, you can find some more information about my investment courses that I teach, as well as my coaching programs, um, which speak to actually a lot of these things that I was talking about today, defining investing path, playbook, building competencies. I, that's what I do. That's my practice. That's what I'm all about. And if you're interested in learning more about how I go about doing it and how we can get involved, um, you can just check me out on my website. I'm on Twitter, too. My handle is at Sage Investors. I'm on there tweeting and commenting and sharing information about all things investing, so feel free to reach out to me there. I'm also on Instagram. My handle is at, uh, no, Sage Investors Nation. 
And also you can find me on a Facebook. I have my Facebook page. Uh, just do a search for Sage Investors. I also publish every week a newsletter, an email newsletter called In The Loop, where I share with you some of my latest updated uh, blog, podcasts. Uh, I put them out there. So if you want to get uh, get on a list and find out when I ever have new stuff posted on my site, you can just uh, register there. I also share with you stuff that I am reading um, out in the market about investing that I'm using and I'm kind of processing for my own investment decisions. Um, if you're interested in getting on that mailing list, you can just drop me uh, an email. Just register on my website, sageinvestors.ca, and uh, you'll get it. I send it out every Wednesday morning and Wednesday afternoon. So that's all I got for you this week. It's been another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amin Reina of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye. Hmm. <laughs>